Applin, my soldiers, asked me all kinds of questions about God, life, relationships, the Bible, and answered them as best I could. They also called me Padre. Welcome to the Dear Padre podcast, where uh, I'm really hopeful about today. I really am. I'm glad you're here. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Stephen gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears, and with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. Then they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, and the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he died. The word of the Lord, reading from Acts 7. Reading from the epistle of Peter. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you, then, who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In John 14, Jesus told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way and the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. You do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me 
will also do the work that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to have to do a big disclaimer as I start this. If you didn't watch the King's coronation yesterday because you're a patriotic American, perhaps, I can understand that. Or if you just don't like a lot of ceremony or for other reasons, like it was televised at 5 a.m. here in the United States, here in Texas. Um, but I did. I got up and watched it. And I had My internet was down from a power outage overnight, so I had to scramble to get... And I caught it sort of 17 minutes in, sort of like coming in late to church. Many people have been late to their coronations, I guess, over time. And I got there in time for the gospel reading. In the gospel reading, they, they, had this, uh, they had somebody carrying this very large old book with gloves, and they carried it down to the middle. And then they read the gospel out of a, another book, a little folder that they had, because they couldn't read the gospel out of this large book that they were carrying. The large book that they were carrying was the St. Augustine's Gospels, or the St. Augustine's Gospel book. And it's in Latin, and it's, the, one of the, it's really the oldest non-archaeological thing in England. In other words, this was a book that had been carefully preserved in libraries since uh, the 6th the century, the 6th century. And so, unlike the things that they've dug up, this book has never been buried. It's always been available since it was brought to England from Italy in the uh, the fifth or the sixth century, it's really the oldest thing that they have in England or in the in the UK, um, and a great treasure. So they brought it out and did the gospel reading from the book, sort of. They they were reading in the direction of the book to, and if you looked at the camera angle, uh, you could see that it looked like they were reading out of that book. It was pretty cool how they did that with camera angles, but uh, I I I went back and refreshed my memory about this gospel book. And I saw that, that this gospel book was brought by St. Augustine and his, his 40 companions of monks that were sent to uh, the, the island of the British, the British Isles, sent to Canterbury, Kent, England, the, the little southeastern tip of the island that is closest to Rome and Italy. St. Augustine, he wasn't a saint then, he was just Augustine. He was named um, likely after Augustine, the, the theologian. There's, there's two famous, well, there's probably more than two. There's a lot of famous Augustines in, the, in Christian history. The biggest one is St. Augustine of Hippo, and then there's Augustine of Canterbury. And Augustine of Canterbury is the guy, he wasn't born in Canterbury. He came there as a missionary. He was sent there by Pope Gregory in Rome, to, to uh, reach the Anglo-Saxon people for Christ, to tell them the story of Jesus. And the, the political situation that he stepped into was really 
really chaotic, um, more than we can even imagine today. We're going to try to imagine it. And St. Augustine of Canterbury came to England um, in a time where the Roman Empire had fallen and it was really non-existent. And yet there were outposts of Roman people living there in England, um, protecting themselves from these this tribe, these tribes that were coming from Germany and other places called the Saxons and the Angles. And so England had been overrun with these, these groups of warriors and their families called the Anglo-Saxons. And the Roman, and many of the Christ, the many of the Roman citizens who then just became Romanized British people um, were very resistant to the Anglo-Saxons for a lot of reasons. And they certainly didn't help try to get them to convert to Christianity. There was no outreach to the Anglo-Saxons from the Christians that were living in, in, um, in Great Britain. And Pope Gregory knew this, and it was a woman. It was the wife of King uh, Ethelbert, who, um, the, wife of, the wife of the king of the Anglo-Saxons that was located in Kent, uh, likely is the one who sent word to Pope Gregory to, to have them, him send some monks to restart Christianity. And we can see parallels from that time to our time. That, um, that, yes, Christianity is here. Christianity was in Great Britain. There was lots of it, lots of Christians. And yet there was a group of people that they had no interest in becoming Christians for a lot of reasons. And it's hard to judge them from this point of history. But um, we can see that something needed to be done. Something needed to be done. And nobody wanted to do it. St. Augustine... The, the, this uh, bride of Ethelbert, her name was Bertha, um, and she was from France, from the king of Paris, his daughter, who had married this king in England or in Kent, um, was there. And she sent word to, Augustus, to Gregory the Pope and said, send us some missionaries. So uh, they were sent. And they arrived. And even before they arrived, they tried to turn back a few times. And um, they eventually got there, and there was nothing there. There was nothing there. There was just a lot of people who didn't have any interest in Christianity. Um, it was pretty bleak. But they stayed, and they built a church, and they taught. Augustine was primarily a teacher. He was a learned man, a learned monk, and that's why they sent him. And a lot of the things that he did was not teach points of theology and things. It was helping them sort out their difficult marriages and, and try to sort out ways that to, ha- to build healthier communities and families, as a lot of the practices of the Anglo-Saxons were really detrimental to human flourishing in life. And so that's what Augustine did with his life, and he died uh, not long after he got there, and he left successors, and he established this community, and it is that community that he established that grew into what we know as the Church of England and now we know as the Episcopal Church here in the United States. And that's what we're part of. That's what I'm part of. And when I picked up that prayer book for the first time and started praying out of it, um, that connection was there to those early missionaries who were discouraged many times and thought that they couldn't make it and they weren't able to do it. But to see that king listening to that gospel book read, 
reminded me of the fact that the truth of the gospel is always true, no matter where it is, that there is a second chance for all of us, a third chance, a fifth chance. Our first lesson is that Paul, um, called Saul here in, in the book of Acts, the apostle, is the one who helps conspire and holds the coats for the men who lynch, do an extrajudicial judicial murder of Stephen as he is preaching, and he is stoned to death. And Paul holds, Saul holds their garments, and Stephen prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. That is the essence of the Christian faith right there. Receive my spirit, that we are with God, that union with God is the ultimate thing that we desire and long for and are sure of because of what happened to Jesus, and that we don't hold the sin against them. That the cycle of retribution, of cause and effect, of karma, of law, of all these things is broken by the grace of God and Jesus Christ. Jesus, who hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we are there too, saying, Father, forgive them, because I sure as hell can't. Because it is God's forgiveness that matters. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, is the essential message that we preach to the world and share with the world. And that's the message that Augustine of Canterbury shared with those uh, warring tribes that lived in England um, when he stepped on those shores. And that is the message we shared this world around us that is questioning what is justice? What is revenge? How much should we take? How do we, how do we build a better world? Um, is the power of violence the only one that has any power in this world? And we are here to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that is the message that we carry, that you carry, and we're carrying it today. Because of those first people that heard the gospel and brought it to England, and we are part of that long stream if you're listening to this, you're part of an Episcopal podcast <laughs> that comes from St. Augustine of Canterbury, who stepped on the shores in the 6th century a really long time ago. And it's neat to be in that community of faith, the faithful. Sometimes our church communities seem really small and weak, and they're not going to make it, and they don't have a future. But ultimately, our future is with God. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, is our prayer. Lord, do not hold these things against them into their account. That is our prayer, and we pray it every single day for us and for the world. Amen. Whom truly to know is eternal life, grant us so perfectly to know your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life, that we may steadfastly follow his steps in the way that leads to eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.